in a series entitled, uh, More Than You Know. How many of you enjoyed this series? Uh, it's been a really great series. I, I've really enjoyed the focus. The last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on some things that matter more than we know. The first week, we talked about prayer. Prayer matters more than we know. Uh, and then last week, we talked about purpose. I mean, know the purpose matters more than you know. Now, today, we're going to talk about... now. Just bear with me. We're going to talk about tithing. <laughs> Y'all a bunch of freaks. Tithing. Tithing matters more than you know. Because, see, I planted all those ones hooting and hollering. Uh, listen, tithing matters more than you know. And I'm going to get to it in just a second. But here's a question. Have you ever had something ha uh, matter more than you know? Now, uh, when it comes to paying bills, I'm pretty responsible uh, actually, I never miss a payment, and I'm never late on my bills, uh, except this past summer. Uh, Phyllis and I, we did some extensive traveling, and some of the traveling we did with our kids, and then some of it was just me and Phyllis. It was just time for her and I to hang out, and a portion of our traveling, we were actually suffering for Jesus in California, and uh, doing all the things that, that people in California do, enjoying the sun and the beautiful weather, and and Hollywood Studios, and you know, just all the cool things. And uh, we were over there this past summer, and my kids were back home with Cheyenne. Cheyenne is like our nanny. Uh, we're yet, I don't know if Shy's in this search. What's up, Shy Shy? Yeah. So she takes great care of our kids and has for many years. Uh, we've been able to mentor for the last couple. She has our kids, and Phyllis and I are just having a blast. Well, all of a sudden, we get a phone call from Cheyenne, and you know, I'm thinking it's probably the kids, and it's Shy. She says, uh, Hey, pastor, say, hey, what's up? She said, hey, the electricity at the house went off. I said, really? I said, it just went off. She said, it just went off. She said, you know, the air condition stopped, all the stuff. Well, I live in a subdivision that that's not uncommon. For whatever reason, it's, you know, it's like it seems like we have some kind of power outage just about every month. And so I said, oh, shy, it's no big deal. Listen, just, just hang out for a little bit. It'll come back on it always. Right. Well, about three, four hours later, Phyllis and I are just hanging out. We get another phone call. She said, hey, pastor, the, the electricity hasn't come back on. It's getting hot. <laughs> well, see, I'm in California. It's not hot. It's nice and cool. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I said, well, look, I'll just call the electric company and uh, I'll just tell them, hey, look, when's the expectation? Just take them to the park. And so, you know, I call the electric company. Now, I'm, I'm a little peed off, a little miffed, you know. I'm just, I'm like, come on, I've got to call them to get the, because this happens all the time, right? I'm like, I can't believe this is happening now. So I'm calling them. And I said, hey, listen, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, we're having a power outage, and my kids are hot. It's tough. I mean, we live in Texas, for goodness sake. Can you tell me when you're going to turn the power back on? And uh, she, she's looking, and she says, you know, sir, hey, Mr. Kyle, she said, man, I, I totally understand. You know how they're so empathetic. I totally understand. Let me calm you down. And I said, okay, well, just tell me when it's going to be back on. She said, well, sir, I see there is a problem. You are correct. And I said, well, great, when are you gonna fix it? She said, well, Mr. Kyles, when are you going to pay your bill? <laughs> I said, what do you mean pay my bill? She said, well, sir, we have uh, sent you several notices. You're late, 
And in fact, we sent another notice recently, and I said, well, I'm traveling, and I always pay my bills. I'm sure this is a mistake. She said, no, sir, you're late, and in 10 days, we have the ability to turn off your electricity to make sure that you pay it on. How many know paying your electric bill matters more than you might know? And I was just thinking about that, and and I wonder if tithes matters more than we know. I mean, we know it's important. We know it affects every area of our life, but the truth is sometimes we don't realize how important it is in our life. Now, before we start talking about tithes, I just want to lay a foundation about money in general. Now, I can imagine, let me just go ahead and throw this out there. If you're brand new to Anchor Bend, you're thinking, good Lord, Bertha, of all the days to come and visit Anchor Bend, you brought me on a money day. Come, come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Pastor, I invited my friends today. You didn't tell me. Listen, this is the way I look at it. God knew you needed this message. He brought you here. So just open up your heart. Just, just kind of let your walls down and say, well, maybe I need to hear what the pastor is talking about. I, I can imagine others of you are snickering, thinking all the church wants is my money. You know, because that's, that's what some people think. And the truth is, look, we don't even pass offering plates and buckets. So just hang out, just chill out. Nobody's going to try to fleece you. Uh, if you want to give, there are ways to give, but you have to do it. Nobody's going to manipulate you. So just don't worry about that. And then, then I can imagine somebody saying, oh, oh, Martha, they must need some money. Listen, we don't need money. We're in the best financial position we've ever been in as a church. We got money in the bank. We don't need your money. Now, with that being said, you'd say, well, why are you talking about money? Well, because money's a big topic. Uh, It does affect every single area of our life. Uh, It affects the good and the bad. It affects our marriages. It affects our health. It affects our children. It affects literally every aspect of our life. Now, what we have to know is that most people live in financial stress. Most people. Here's some statistics. 78% of American workers live paycheck to paycheck, 78%. So for every 100 people in this place right now, 78 of you are living in some kind of financial distress. You're stressed out, life's not working out, you're living paycheck to paycheck. Look, the average household income, just the average, holds $137,000 in debt. That's just the average. You may be above it or beneath it. 29% of American workers have less than $1,000 in their savings account. 29% less than $1,000. Like you ain't even got an emergency fund. And then 50% have less than one month's income saved for a bad day. So, so think about this. There is problem happening in our finance. Like we're under financial stress. And it's not just the poor or the middle class. Because sometimes you could just think, well, that's poor people and that's middle class people. But, you know, the rich people, no, no, they don't have problems. Well, that's not true. According to one study, 10% of those making $100,000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck. And of those, look at this, 59% that are making more than $100,000 a year, they live their life in the red. They're not even paying their bills. There is a problem that's happening. We're not making enough. We're not investing it in the right way. The truth is Americans are broke. 
Americans are struggling, and it's not just Americans, but it's Christians, and, uh, it's, and it's time for us as a church to stop worrying about what others are saying or thinking and not addressing something that's impacting every area of our life. See, I get it. Sometimes you could walk in and you say, look, pastor, don't talk about tithes. Don't talk about giving. Don't talk about money. I need some hope. Do that hope thing, pastor. Like, like, I need some hope up in here. I need some joy up in here. I need some peace up in here. And the truth is, you do. You need hope. You need joy. You need peace. But can we get to the root of what's causing you to need those things in your life? Like, we got to just attack the root. We can't just give this, this serum to something that's not affecting your life. And, and, and so that's what the message is all about today. It's to help you in your life. It's kind of like a doctor. Now, I don't like doctors a whole lot. Well, I do actually like Dr. Levy. He's my doctor now. He's this, this really sweet man, really nice and personable. And, and, and so it's like a doctor. When I go to him, I'm going to him because I need to get better. I need him to help fix something that's in my life that's not working correctly. Something's unhealthy, something is broken, something is hurting. It's not functioning correctly. So what I gotta do is I gotta go to the doctor. I need him to do a couple of things. Number one, I need you to diagnose what's wrong. Come on, somebody, I just wanna know what's wrong in my life. And the next thing is I need you to give me some medicine, give me a prescription, something that's going to make it better. And if you can't do that, then you're not a good doctor. Well, I think of that a lot like you sitting here this morning. I'm the doctor, that I'm here to help you in an area of your life where there may be some hurt, there may be some pain. There, some of you are financially unhealthy. Some of you are financially broke. Some of you are financially unable to make it. And so you gotta know this, you're in the right place at the right time. Jesus is the great physician. And so he's in this place, and, and how do we get the medicine? we got to go to the Word of God, and that's where we're going to diagnose the problem, and then we're going to find a solution to help us as we experience freedom in this area in our life. Now I want to dive in into Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is speaking here, and he is talking specifically about money, and I want to look at just what he has to say about money in general. Verse 19, Matthew 6, 19, if you brought your Bibles, open them up. If it's on your phone, you can do it that way. You can pull out your message notes. You can follow along on the screen, whichever way you would like. In verse 19, it says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, okay? Not storing treasure where? On earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So whatever I store on this earth is not very safe. He says, but store for yourselves treasures in, say it together, say it louder, heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So he's saying, look, I want you to store treasure in heaven. I want you to store it on earth. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in just a few minutes, but I want to focus on verse 21. Look at what it says in verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your treasure is, whether it's in the things of this earth or the things of God, that's where your heart will be. So your heart follows your money. Now, it's really important for you to understand that because that's not typically what we think. We typically think wherever my heart is, that's where my money goes. Like if my heart is missions, then I'm going to give my money to missions. If my heart is Jesus, then I'm going to give my money to the church or whatever he tells me to give it to. But that's not at all what the Bible says right there, is it? The Bible says where your treasure is, 
that's where your heart will follow. So it could start off in one place, but that doesn't mean that's where it's going to end if that's not where you're investing. So how I spend my money reveals what's important to me. So, so you need to know that, how I spend my money. Look, it's, it's just an indication and an indicator. It's a dash light of what's important to me in my life. Now, I want to share just a couple of statistics as far as Christians in America. Uh, a, a recent study showed that most Christians, the average Christian in America, gives about 2% of their income to charity, 2%. Now, let's break this down just a little bit. The average median household income last year was $62,000 a year. So 2% of that would be about $1,200 a year. So just on average, if you followed the pattern of what the stats show, you gave about $1,200 last year to charity. Well, to some of you, you think, well, that's good, right? That's awesome, right? Right, right or wrong? Right. It's not a trick question. I'm just asking, like, <laughs> like you're going to trick me, pastor. No, I mean, you know, for some people, 1,200 is a lot, some it's not. But, but let's just look at how that stacks up with the other things in life that we enjoy. So just coffee, how does it compare with coffee? Well, the average American spends about $1,100 for coffee. So the things of God are worth a cup of coffee. Okay, all right. So what about movies? Now, we love movies. Come on, somebody go see Aquaman and... Mary Poppins, I know you guys was watching Mary Poppins, come on. And, and Bumblebee and all the different things that we go and watch. And so how much do we spend on that? Just the average, it's about $1,300 a year. Dining out, you know, we like to go to eat different places and Roadhouse and Saltgrass and, you know, go to, go to Gringo's and all the other little places and Whit Pit, you know, come on somebody. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about $3,000 a day. So, so my charity is about half of what I spend just dining out. And what about pets? I mean, you got to say something about pets, right? All you pet lovers, pets ain't going to heaven, so I don't know why you're clapping. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just, her mouth just dropped. I'm sorry. So bad, so bad. I don't know if your dog's making it. I'm just saying. Now, to be fair, cats are only about $900 a year. Dogs are about $1,300 a year. And so, so God is worth about a pet. Uh, and, then, and then clothes, of course. Come on, somebody. Got to have some clothes, some threads. About $1,300 a year. Some of you much more than $1,300 a year. So when we compare our generosity to God and the things of God, it doesn't seem to stack up very well. It's not showing that Americans as Christians really invest in what's important to God. Now listen to me, I'm not saying any of these things are bad in and of themselves. I mean, they're all great, they just can't come before God. And then what we have to do then is we gotta say, okay, that's the stats, what about my life? How does it compare in my life? And here's what's amazing, uh, to be able to answer this question is super simple. All we got to do is look at your spending last month. Let's don't look at the whole year. Let's just look at your spending in, well, December is kind of an odd month because everybody overspends. But look, look, you can look at November, give you the, the benefit of the doubt. So you got a little sideways in December. Let's say November is your standard. I mean, think about it. So, so we would just go back and evaluate, and anybody who has a budget, you know what you do. You go back and you watch your spend. How much did I spend in dining out? How much did I spend in clothing? How much did I spend in pets and movies 
and entertainment. And you're going back and you're looking. And then you go back and say, well, how much did I tithe? How much did I give in offering? How much did I give in charity? And then you can begin to weigh in your own life how well or how not so well you did in your life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, I am fully committed to missions. I mean, if you just look in my, my, I'm telling you, look in my closet, you can see it, Pastor. You see them Toms from bottom to top. I get to buy one, give one. Someone has shoes because of my purchase for them Toms. That's my missions contribution, Pastor. I know what you're saying. I mean, you know, and, and the reality is we could talk ourselves into all kinds of ideas and thoughts. Well, yeah, but you know, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And the truth is, look, we just, if, if we're going to diagnose the problem, we just got to get honest. We just have to be open to where we really spend our money. Do we tithe? Do we give offerings? Do we give charity? When's the last time you blessed someone else because the Lord spoke to you to bless them? That's building your treasure in heaven. And here's an interesting thing, too. You want to know where your heart will be next year? Look at your budget. Like, I don't know about you, but I did my personal budget for 2019. We're finalized the, the budget for this church for 2019. Like, at the end of the day, I can tell you exactly where my heart's going to be. Why? Because it's in the budget. If it's not in the budget, it's not real. See, we can say, well, my heart's going to be with God. Great, just show me your budget. Well, that sounds pretty harsh. Well, the interesting thing is it's not emotional. It's not about being hyper-spiritual. You know what it's about? Being biblical. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Sometimes we hyper-spiritualize things and we miss the basics. And if we miss the basics, the foundation is wrong. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord. Now, I think everybody would say you want to honor God. Is that right? I mean, I don't think anybody would say, I don't want to honor God. I mean, we say we want to honor God. What is that? That's putting him as first priority. That's putting him as first place. That's, that's reverence. That's, God, I'm going to put you in the position that you deserve. Well, how do we do it? Look at what it says. It's actually going to tell us how to put God in the proper position in our life, how to honor him. It says, look, with your, with your possessions, everybody say possessions. You missed that. So it's possessions and your first fruits. So, because so, you just went to tithing. I know what y'all was thinking. That, your possessions and your first fruits. So that's how I honor God. What's it, what do you mean? That means I'm a, I'm a steward. God, I give you everything. And then look at what happens. It says, of all the increase, here's the, here's the benefit that comes to putting God first. He says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So in other words, God, when I put you in the right position, when I trust you, when I revere you, when I honor you, then you take care of everything else. And so we got to understand honoring God means making him a priority. Priority, 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 priority. And then look at Psalms 24.1. We've got to know that the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, they all belong to God. That's how come he would say, look, I want your possessions. Like, honor me with your possessions. Yeah, but that's not yours, God. No, actually it is his. The earth is his. And everything that belongs in this earth is his as well. And so we hold things loosely. Look, your house is your house. That's great. You may have the title deed, but God is the actual owner. 
Your car, you may have the title to your car, but that's not your car, that's God's car. We hold things loosely, why? Because we understand as a Christian that God, everything already belongs to you. I am simply a manager. I'm a steward. I was going to say steward, but most people, I mean, steward, you think of stewardess. I'm, the guy, you know, I'm not a flight attendant. You know, at the end of the day, a manager, you know, a property manager. Stephanie used to work for a property management company. It's very interesting. Property managers have all the rights as owners to execute and sign contracts to bring people into the property and to evict those people. They can pay the utilities and hook them up and disconnect them. They have all the working rights of the owner, but they're not the owner. They're working on behalf of the owner. Well, that's the way you are with God. You, you have, the, 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 it's in your possession. You have the rights to sign contracts and not and do whatever it is you want to do. But the truth is you must understand the mentality of, I really got to ask God because this is his stuff anyway. I'm simply a manager. Managers are responsible for managing other people's stuff. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to get to heaven and God's going to ask you, how did you do with what I gave you? I mean, that's my job. See, part of my responsibility is I want to reach people with the love of God, but I want to help you become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Fully devoted. That means that, means that when you come to church, you're going to get the full counsel of God. Why? Because I'm going to stand before God in eternity, and he's going to say, did you teach my people how to manage what I've entrusted to them? And so we understand this stewardship principle, this management principle. And then that's why Malachi would say what it says in Malachi 3.8. Malachi says, will a man rob God? Well, how can you rob God? Well, you rob him because you took what didn't belong to you and what belonged to him. So God, how do I rob you? And so Malachi, the whole, chat, the whole book of Malachi is returning back to God what belongs to God. So it's a book of returning. And so here he says, look, you've robbed me. And you continue to rob me. And you say, but well, what in, in what way have we robbed you, God? Like the people are a little bit perplexed. Now, remember, these are people that, are, that, that they love God. They're the people of God. And he says, look, you've robbed me in two ways, in tithes and in offerings. Everybody say tithes, tithes. and offerings. Now, I'm not going to assume you know what a tithe is because we have hundreds of new people. And I mean, over 2,000 locally have been saved. Over 7,000 have been saved uh, since we've launched this church. And so there is this amazing foundation that has to be built. And, and there was a day where you could just say things like tithe and people understand. Let me just break down tithes and offerings for you. Tithe is just one-tenth. That's where the word tithe comes from. And so when he's talking about giving tithes, he's talking about giving, the, the Old Testament had the law of first fruits. That's the law of the first 10%. Back to God. Why? Because it's not mine anyway. The 100% belongs to God. Now, he didn't ask me to give all 100% back. He just said, if you'll give me the first tenth, that shows me that you understand the rest belongs to me, but you can go ahead and manage it. So we give back to God the one ten, the tenth percent. And so in other words, if you made $1,000 a week, you would tie the $100 a week, and it would be the first $100 that you spend out of the money you made. Does everybody understand that? Order matters. It's not just any 10%. Some of you are given 10%, but it's out of order and you're not experiencing the blessing. You know, that's why I text to give. I love text to give because as soon as I see the money hit my account, I go to my text to give, do the, do the amount, put it in. It takes like three seconds. First, 10% of what I make. That's a tithe. Everybody with me? Offerings. Offering is not the first 10%. Oh, wait. And one thing about tithes, it goes to the local church. The storehouse is the local church. It's how God set it up. 
So offerings is anything over that 10%, and that can go anywhere God directs. So that could go to the legacy. Many of you gave to the legacy offering. Uh, Many of you continue to give to legacy. That's offerings. Uh, Maybe it goes to Compassion International to support support a child. Maybe it goes to One Child Matters. It goes to missions, whatever. Maybe you're supporting an evangelist. Maybe you're supporting a missionary. If you're giving and it's outside these four walls, it's considered an offering. And here's what I would say about offerings. Don't just give to needs. Give where the Lord directs. Like needy is everywhere. I want to be blessed. And the way I do it is I give that offering wherever the Lord leads me to give. You with me? Okay, so now God says you've robbed me. How? In tithes and offerings. So you've stolen what belongs to me. So you're a thief. Now, I'm not calling you a thief. So someone's like, whoa. No, I'm just, I'm just telling you what he's saying to those that haven't given what belongs to him. And so look at what he says, because you are a thief and you're stealing, you are cursed with a curse for robbing me, this whole nation. So there is a curse that follow those that rob from God. And so he says, look, how do you break this curse? Bring all of the tithe into the storehouse. And all theologians, that's where the storehouse It's the place where you worship. It's your local church. It's where you're being fed. And so he's saying bring all of the first 10% of all that you make, all of your increase into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. I mean, can you imagine what the church would look like if 100% of Christians actually tithe? You know, one study shows that the Christians, if, if they did, if the church did what God's commanded in his word, would be able to wipe out world hunger poverty. You'd be able to educate everybody in the world. I mean, it's absolutely astounding. Why? Because God doesn't set up broken systems. He sets up systems so that you can do what he's created you to do in the region. Think about church. If a church had 100% tithers, imagine the impact they could make in a city, in a county, in a nation, and in the world. So the devil comes in and he lies to God's people because he doesn't want you to be effective. And he wants you individually to live under a curse. And he says, so look, that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this. So this is the only place in the Bible God says, test me, try me, prove me. And he says, says the Lord of hosts, and if you'll do this, if you'll what? If you'll put me first, if you'll tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven. I mean, that's a breakthrough right there, baby. Just, I need open heavens in my life. And he says, I'll pour out for you such a great blessing that there'll not be room enough for you to receive it. Now, how many of you got a little bit more room in your life to receive some blessings? I'm like, good Lord, Father, help me continue to exercise your will so that the windows of heaven can be opened in my life. And really what we need to know is that when we give back to God what belongs to him, he releases the blessing in our life. The blessings of God, the open heaven, he provides for you. You know, not every season is just this showering of more than enough, but when you're a tither, you never go without. God always gives provision. And here's another thing God does. He always gives you protection. Look at what it continues to say. He says, when you do this, I'm going to what? I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Now, this is a part that I think many people miss when tithing or not tithing. The devourer, the thief. Look, the the one that steals and kills and destroys and tries to rob our life. See, when we put God first, what we now do is give God the authority to protect. 
See, he always wants to, but it's our choice. He, he never forces things on us. He's going to give us a decision whether or not we engage his blessing and his provision and his protection in our life. He says, look, I'm going to rebuke the devourer, the insects, the plagues for your sake. They will not destroy the fruit on the ground, nor the vine in the field uh, drop its grapes before its harvest, says the Lord. Now, it's interesting some of you sit here week in and week out, you're born again, you love God, you know God, you're serving God, you may even be on the dream team, but the truth is you are struggling financially. And if I were to ask you how you're living your life, if the blessings of God are on your life, you would probably say, no, no, I'm not blessed. I, I, I don't feel like God's blessings in my life. And, and you could even be wealthy by the world standards. Everything can look great on the outside. Look, you could have a big house, a fancy car. You could have nice clothes. You could make over $100,000 every single year. But the truth is, if you were to be honest, you would say, Pastor, I'm struggling. We're barely making it. I'm not even sure we're going to make it this year. That's not the blessing of God. That's not the more than enough. In fact, Haggai coins it and says it better than I could ever say it. I wonder, here's what I would ask you, if some of you feel like this verse in Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. So God is talking to people that are experiencing what I just talked about. And he says, look, I want you to give careful thought to your ways. Like, bad things are happening in your life, but there's a reason. And look at what he says. He says, you have planted much. So you've been real busy, you're doing a lot of things, but you harvested very little. So in other words, there's not a lot of fruitfulness in your life. You eat, but you never have enough. Just seems like, anybody ever felt like it's just not enough? So something's missing in your life. You drink, but you never have your feel. Just, it's not enough. Like there's something in my life. That's been, you put on clothes, but you're not warm. And I love this one. I think this could be the story of some people's lives. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. It's like I'm earning, but it just is gone. It's, it's gone. It's just, it goes. And then, and then look at what he says then. then. Then this is his charge to you. It's this. Give careful thought to your ways. Why would he say that? Because Haggai knows that God wants to bless you. That God's ultimate goal is that you would live a blessed life. Look, not so that the blessings could have you, but you could have the blessings and bless this world. God doesn't get any blessing. He doesn't get any glory. He doesn't get any satisfaction when people are broke, barely making it or not making it at all. That does not give God, that's not holiness. That's not piety. That's nothing more than us not acknowledging our ways and considering where we might be causing the problem. See, some people try to build a blessed life without the God that blesses. I want a blessed life, but I don't want to do it your way, God. I want you to keep doing what you've told me and told everybody else you want to do, but I'm going to bypass your system. What we have to understand is that God has an agenda for your life. He does. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High King. He loves you. He wants you to be blessed financially. He wants you to be blessed relationally. He wants you to be blessed in your marriage and in your job. He wants you to have peace and joy and all those great things. But the truth is you have to consider your ways and follow his principles. You can't get his blessings without doing it his way. But you got to know this as well. Look, the devil has an agenda for your life too. Look at John 10.10. 10. We're getting ready to close. See, that was painless. Come on. The thief comes to 
kill, and to destroy. Well, that's what I feel like is happening in my life. I feel like things are being stolen. I think relationships are being destroyed. I feel like he's literally trying to kill me. That's the devil's agenda. The devil is doing what the devil does. That's what he does. But look at what it says. Someone says, well, God really want to bless me? Well, he not only wants to bless you, he wants to bless you to the full, overflowing. That's his agenda for your life. But the truth is, you have a choice as to what takes place in your life. That's the amazing thing about Christianity. God never forces anything on you. Hey, bring this illustration out here. I, I, I really been thinking about this. How can I illustrate this in a way that would help you fully understand this and be able to take it out as you leave today? So, so this person, how many like this is... Uh, all on behalf of B.F. Terry Performing Arts Theater. Thank you, B.F. Terry Performing Arts Theater. They, uh, I found it this morning. I was trying to find something the Lord has provided. And it's much better than what I had, trust me. We're just borrowing it. So here, here's, here's our life. It really kind of represents our life, right? Just your, your savings, your health, your marriage, your family, your job, your finances. I mean, there's other things that... that could go on there, but this kind of the big rocks in our life. Would you guys agree? So, so we're living our life, and truthfully, all of this is under our care until we get saved, right? When we are born again and we are saved, now what we've done is we've invited God. I've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. What? What? Look. So I've invited them into my life. God be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And so God says, absolutely, I'm going to be the Lord and the Savior of, of, of your life. And so what we have here is you guys begin to cover my life. So God is covering my job. God is protecting my finances. And not only is he protecting them, but he begins to provide for my finances, my family. My marriage is doing better than it's ever done. Savings and health. It's a fresh start. No matter how it was before, God says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to cover, protect, and provide. And he says, and here's my standard that keeps all of this in action. Pastor, I don't understand. Why would that keep it in action? Because... When God comes in and starts to take over in these areas, it's because I've given control to God. I said, God, you have my marriage. Because trust me, if you're running your marriage, it's probably not working. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen to that? You running your kids, it probably ain't working. If you're trying to do your finances, and your job is a mess too because you was in control. Now you say, God, I messed that up here. Give me another one and I'll do better. Do something. Come on, God. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. So now you said, God, I give you these things. He said, that's awesome. I'm going to let you keep them, but to show that I still have first place, I need you to just give me a tenth of all that you make, all of your increase, because God knew that where your treasure is, there my heart. See, my heart starts with God. You get it? Look, this, this is where we miss it. When I'm saved, now, now, now you do need to understand this. I'm not talking about salvation. You can't lose your salvation. So once you're saved, you're saved. This is the condition with which you choose to live your life on earth. Will you bring heaven to this earth? 
And so God says, look, I got your heart. It just starts. And so you're being discipled and you start tithing and you say, God, I'm going to give you the first 10%. And God's like, that's right. When you do that, it releases something. And that's why it's a percentage. So if you make 50,000 or a million, it doesn't matter. 10% holds the same value in their hearts. And so it's like, God, I give that to you. And God says, I'm just going to continue to let you manage these other things. But as long as I'm first, I can cover. I can protect. I can bless. But the challenge is, I'm walking through the mall, and all of a sudden, Foot Locker has them Yeezys. Oh, my God. And instead of $27,000 for some Yeezys, they're only $750. Just today, though. And so now here's what happens. I don't have the means for the Yeezys and tithes. But God, I really need them Yeezys. God, you know how good they look up on my feet. Here's the other deal. Maybe it's not Yeezys. Maybe it's college. God, God, I, man, I'm, I just graduated out of high school. Look, it ain't about your parents' tithe. It's about your tithe. God, I, you know, I got to pay for college, and I've been tithing, but I've been living with my parents, and so now I got to choose. Am I going to school, or am I going to put you first? Maybe it's paying bills. Look, Visa, MasterCard, whatever it is, you just say, God, I, I got this bill, and God's like, okay, well, that's fine, but you have to choose. Like, this is where I want to be, but ultimately, what you got to understand is where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be also. And God understood that. And so he's like, if it was me, I would choose this. But that's not me. So you might choose this. And what are you going to choose? Okay, I'm going to choose that. But now the devil comes and he tries to mess with your family. Come on, Diablo. (laughs) Try to mess with something. You ain't messing with my finances, homeboy. I'm blessed. (laughs) He's sneaky. No, so God says, get back, get back, devil. Get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, so you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And so now I'm just, I'm constantly, and that's why the devil's messing with your money. He ain't messing with your church attendance. He ain't messing with your serving on the dream team. He ain't messing with all the worship. Why? Because he knows if I can get to the money thing that your heart's going to follow. And if I can knock this out, then that knocks him out. It's a strategy. It's a tactic of the enemy. And so, so you know, you just say, okay, man, this, this month, whoo, my car broke down. And man, God, you know, if I ain't got a car, I can't go to church. And that live stream was down. Now, they got it up now, so, I mean, I can do it now. But, you know, it was down for a while, God. So that car thing's got to be done. And so you choose. Well, this time you say, I'm going to pay my car. Like, I got to pay the bill. Well, then what happens is, God, I'm going to get you. Right. I'm going to, no, God, hey, no, don't go nowhere. Like, no, no, y'all go. Go back. I'm just trying to tell you don't go. But you got to go. Listen to what I'm not saying. But the tithe is what engages and disengages. God, why? Because now I'm not trusting him with these things. Yeah, but what do you mean? Well, because when I trust him, I put him first. So now what happens is I'm not trusting him. Why? Because a bill became greater than my God. And so Diablo comes back. And, and here's our life. Come on, devil. He's on back. Look, look. Now, don't, don't hurt him too bad. Just kind of just a little something. Because I don't want him to start tithing again. I want him to think it was just them. Yeah, yeah, so he takes the family, he starts messing with your family. Now, you haven't connected this to the money thing. Right, right. So you go take it easy on you just a little bit. Take it easy, Diablo, not, not, not this. So he's still looking, look. Health, go ahead, take health too. Oh, 
there you go, marriage. So he's got marriage now. And so the whole time I'm like, God, where are you? God, God, my marriage, help me, my marriage. My man, God said, you disengaged me. You no longer surrendered your life to me, so now the devil has a foot. Now, again, this has nothing to do with salvation. You're still going to heaven. So he can't steal your salvation, but what he can do is steal the condition that God wants you to live here on this earth. And so then what we have to do is we have to say, man, God, I recognize you have not been first in my life, and I repent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to repent. I'm going I'm to come back, and God, I'm going to put you first back in my life. I'm going to submit my life back to you. And God takes those things back. Now, there's a little bit of a mess that God's going to have to fix and figure out and work on. But he can fix that. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn around for good. And as crazy as it sounds, it all goes back to money. That's why he says where your treasure is. Because here's what I've seen too, and, and I've been pastoring this amazing church for it almost be six years. When we have this wrestling take place in our life, here's what happens. Say this person tithing. It, it kind of, people work in circles, like casual attendees. Some of you kicking the tires. You don't even know if you like me. That's okay. Just keep coming back. Some of you come... <laughs> And, and you like me and you, you kind of tip God and do some things. Maybe you're tithers. Then you start joining the dream team. Well, now you're engaged. You start tithing and serving God. I mean, it's just, it's kind of this natural progression from an outer core to an inner core. And so you're tithing and it's amazing. But the devil knocks you off track. And while you're tithing, you're going to next steps. I just baptized you, Joanna. Did you see that spit just right there? Holy water. So... So you're tithing, and so the devil, he ain't trying to mess with your dream team stuff. He ain't trying to mess with your attendance. He knows if I can mess you up with the bills, your heart will fade. So when I'm tithing, it's really hard for me to not stay engaged. Why? Because my treasure is, my heart is. But the bills come, and I've seen this with our dream teamers and people. Look, you're still serving on the dream team. You still come every week. Life's good, but, but what happens is we never get to paying God back in the fact of he never comes back to this place. Why? Because it's a rat race. And I've lied to myself. It's not even about the money. Well, and here's what I say. It's, sir, I'm serving. I go to next steps. I'm in a small group. Come on, somebody. I'm doing all the steps pastor said. But what eventually happens is because of this, you begin to fade away from church. And you slip out. Why? Because it's a tactic of the enemy. Your heart is no longer engaged in the things of God. It's a tool. It's a tactic. And here's what I would say. I've had people, and this, the, as we close, I've had people say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. Here's what I would tell you. You can't afford not to tithe. That's the lie of the enemy. It's like, because when this is right, everything else is right. Now, is it a magic pill? It's not a magic pill, but I'm just telling you it's the word of God. The, the blessings of God begin to come into my life. The, the, the provision of God comes into my life. The protection of God is, comes in my life. That's why the Bible says you can't serve God and mammon, God and money. That's the two things that we're always in competition with. Well, doesn't that make sense as to why people would feel like, well, I don't want that pastor to tell me how to spend my money. All they want is my money. Well, that's a lie from the enemy. All he wants is for you to be defeated. And so here's what I would tell you. I'm just here as the doctor. All I can do is give you the prescription. All I can do is give you the medicine. I can't make you take it. 
I can't make you go and do what God's speaking to you to do. But I can tell you this. Tithing matters more than you know. You guys can go. Tithing matters more than you know. So I just wondered this morning if I could just pray with you. You know, uh, I, I really have been feeling this in my heart for quite some time. And even the illustration, just I, I was trying to say, God, how do we illustrate it in a way that people get it? How do you? And, and, and I, I feel like you got it. But now here's the thing. You got to have the power to walk it out. You got to have the strength to walk it out. And I can tell you time and time again, I had a friend of mine. Uh, I was telling him what I was talking about. Uh, and he's actually one of the young men that I mentor. Uh, and he said, Pastor, you said, you know, last year we were tithing. We came to church, started tithing. He said, but I got to tell you, honestly, we stopped tithing. It got tight. And I said, man, I get it. You know, I, I, I don't judge people. I don't, you know, I'm, it's like, bro, I get it. So he said, but no, 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 I want, you, I want you to know what happened. And I said, well, tell me what happened. He said, you talked about giving. I think I talked about giving in November or October. Or something. It might have been October. Um, and he said, you talked about it. And he said, the Lord really spoke to me to start giving and to tithe and to put him first. And he said, you know, I talked to my spouse and we just said, we're going to do it. And we just, we did it before. We're going to do it again. And he said, but we were struggling. Like I just switched jobs. I actually got laid off from one job and started another job and it's sales. And how many know sales is feast or famine? And he's like, man, I just, I didn't know if it was responsible to do it or not. And he said, but I just said, I'm going to do it. And so he said, I started tithing. And he said, you will never believe what happened. I said, well, what happened? He said, over the next two months, I got salesman of the month and made more money that month than I could even imagine making in a month. And it wasn't even just in November, but it was December too. And he said, the only thing I can relate it to, it was like when I obeyed God, favor came. Sales came. He said, and here's what he told me. I didn't even have to work that hard for the sales. And he said, I'm just convinced that this whole tithing thing unlocks something in my life from God. And that's what you got to know. It's, I don't know what your story is. I don't know how God's going to do it. But I do know that this is the only place in the Bible where he says, test me, prove me, try me, and see. What that means is I got to do it. I do my part. And then God does his part. And so I want to pray for each and every one of you. Many of you, this is an affirmation of what's already taken place. But you need to, to hear it because the enemy's trying to get you to, to change your course, to have you to stop and to quit. And no matter where you're at, I'm just praying that this message has spoken to you and that God's going to give you strength and grace to respond as you see fit. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. God, I'm asking you to give strength and grace and Lord, we know that there are problems that many people face financially. You have the solution. You have the prescription. And God, I'm asking for strength for each person to go and do what your Holy Spirit has spoken to them, to live it out. And Father, I thank you that right now you give grace. And Lord, for every person that maybe has felt convicted, God, you don't bring condemnation. You bring conviction. And Lord, I pray that in that moment we just repent. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then a repentance is not just being sorry for, but it's actually a change in direction. It's a change in course. And so, God, we change course. We now say from this moment on, we're going to give you our first and our best. We're going to tithe because it matters more than we knew. And, Father, we thank you for this. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.
I know we talked about money and tithes, but there's some of you here right now, you don't have a relationship with God. We talked about God coming into your life as Lord and Savior. And the truth is, when you saw the illustration, you thought that's never happened to me. I've never put him in the right place. I've never surrendered my life to him. I've never asked him to be my Lord and be my Savior. I want you to know that right now, this can be your moment. It's a divine setup. God wants this moment to be a defining moment for you. And it's so simple that we confess him as Lord. We, we, we believe that he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. Salvation's not based on works. That's the beautiful thing. It's by grace through faith that God paid the price. We simply believe. And what I want to do right now, if that's you, Maybe you've never put him in the right place, or maybe this, maybe you're coming back to God. You, you would, what we call backslid, you turned away, but you're ready to come back in this moment. I wonder if you'd be bold enough just to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around, nobody's looking to the right. Just as an act of surrender, just raising your hand, just say, God, right now, I want to surrender my life to you in this moment. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, anybody else, you say, that's me. I'm ready right now to surrender my life. Yes. Come on, church, tell them how proud you are. I want to lead us in a prayer this morning. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Right now, I give you everything. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give you my future. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, worship God this morning.